Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King, and you're listening to the photography podcast dedicated to getting you out there on an adventure of your own. I know that all of you have full-time jobs, full-time families, but you bought that camera for a reason. So pack your gear, grab your camera, get out there, get a flat tire. It's time for a Photog Adventure of your own. It's episode 142, and yes, I am back And I have had a challenge getting back here with you guys through several reasons, a lot of stresses, not going to bring up any of those right now. Aaron King is going to have a fun time talking about some untold stories of 2019. And to bring on some extra fun, I brought on Rob Ryan and Kurt Kais to be on the episode with me to hear their stories, as well as have someone that I can tell the story, because it's a lot more fun to have an immediate audience response when you tell a story like one of the ones I'm about to tell today. So, hey, Kirk, how's it going, man? Pretty good. How about you? Doing well. Okay, I'm doing stressed. I'm doing stressed. Let's be honest. But awesome. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing better soon. And Rob, how you doing, man? Good. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Aaron. I like how you brought your gravelly voice in. So Rob and Kirk, you recognize Rob from admins, and Kirk is the managing editor of the MilkyWayPhotographers.com website. If you aren't already over there at MilkyWayPhotographers.com, go on there, sign up, and share with us your content and become a master. You have actual ranks that you can earn by sharing certain pictures with certain achievements in them, like a foreground that has rocks, a foreground that has a light-painted subject. Things like that earn you achievements and get you up to the master rank. So join Kirk and the other article writers, the awesome other article writers over at MilkyWayPhotographers.com if you haven't already. I only have one point at this point on Milky Way Photographers. I'm kind of a apparently lame Milky Way photographer. (laughs) You've earned one achievement so far. I have one achievement. You know, it's, let's see, uh, well, Ralph Rohner's at 34, so... You know, he hasn't I, gotten 35. I thought he passed it and he broke into master. Oh, he's he's way up there. I I even made like a, you know, photography Milky Way photography from an airplane point just for him. So <laughs> So you've added an achievement just for him? That oh, yeah. sounds pretty biased. <laughs> well, why not? That's that's an excellent achievement. I think uh that's something everyone should uh shoot for. I mean, you don't want to watch honestly. those stupid movies. I mean, how many times can you watch, you know, Finding Nemo on an airplane. That that is a pretty cool challenge though to try to shoot it from a plane. Yeah. But you ought to make it from a plane or a boat. I've heard well, a lot of people boat. do it from a we boat. We can do too. another one from a boat. As oh. as soon as someone sends in a a uh, Milky Way photo and uh wants to claim a point for a boat, we'll make a point for that. <laughs> awesome. And while I'm at it, Ralph Rohner leads us with 34. JRT Snaps leads us at 29. So Jay has that. Shelby Diamond Star is Mary Beth, and she has 25. Jeff James at 21. Colin at 18. And those are our top five. So that's through 2019. The ones that have actually have, you know sent in their images and have been approved from admin like Kirk earned the achievement. That's where we're at right now. And I know most of you have more than 30 achievements already earned. You just don't know it, and you haven't submitted it yet. And, Kirk, you say you have one. I know that you have more than 20-plus oh, with all I the probably Milky Ways do, that we but, have done together. Uh, you know, it's – yeah. Yeah, why why compete with all the other people, I guess? Pfft, no. Right, sure. Let's, it's for them, not for me. <laughs> so, And so I, I got to say, Jeff James and uh, – Esther Bartels and uh, Colin, Rhonda. I forget his last name. He's from the UK. 
they've been really uh, pushing it the last few months and racking up the points. So, so really, Jeff and Esther have really all come in the last couple months submitting their images. Yeah, and actually, Jay, uh, Jay also. Jay jumped up there fast. I know he was on here the whole time, but up to twenty nine, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, but he he's gets doing out good. There a lot. Mary Beth's gonna. She's like falling down in the standings, so she needs to. Get some more points going. Buckle back up, Mary Beth. Stop shooting that Aurora and come back to Milky Way. <laughs> yeah, turn your camera south instead of north. <laughs> uh, that'd be a good shirt. Turn your camera south or stop shooting south. Shoot north one way or the other. Let's take our first break of the podcast and we'll come right back and talk about a Milky Way in Las Vegas with all the light pollution. How did we do it? Hey, uh, we hope you go to the Nightscaper Conference 2020. That's at nightscaper.com. And if you use Adventure 100 at checkout, you're going to get $100 off on the conference registration. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up for Photog Adventures. If you guys want to come through with Photog Adventures, get that $100 discount as well. Come join us. Go to nightscaper.com and sign up today. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everyone. Speaking of conferences and hanging out at conferences. Kirk, I know that at the end of the Nightscaper conference, you had an experience in photography that you you pretty much shared with everybody on Facebook. You found it so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> yeah, we ran into the uh, proverbial uh, Instagrammer. <laughs> Neil Zingle, Drew Armstrong, and myself had uh, decided to go out to uh, Grand Viewpoint and uh, take some pictures of, uh, you know, the Colorado River Basin and uh, the Milky Way. And after shooting that for most of the night, we're, like, driving back, and it's, like, you know, 4.30, quarter to 5, and and uh, someone says, hey, let's go by Mesa Arch. And it's like, yeah, what the <laughs> heck, let's go to Mesa Arch. You know, it's only a mile down the road. So we pull in there and, you know, there's just a couple cars in the parking lot and it's like, all right, we're, we're early. So it's like five o'clock. I think sunsets at like, or sunrises at, uh, I don't know, probably quarter till seven or something, six thirty, And we like hike out there and, you know, just like the parking lot indicated, there's only a handful of people there. So we pick some spots and get our tripod set up and, uh, just stand around and start waiting and hanging out and chatting with the people there and, you know, meeting new people and, you know, just kind of enjoying the uh, environment as the uh, sun's coming up. And uh, just as, uh, you know, sunrise is happening, everyone's all lined up with their cameras. There's, you know, 25 people all shoulder to shoulder, tripod legs crossed. You know, it's it's kind of the proverbial zoo that everyone talks about, but... You know, personally, mm-hmm. I don't find it that bad. I mean, everyone's there. They're all trying to get a picture of uh, some awesome location, and it is an awesome location, I think. And, uh, you know, everyone's cooperating. And then, you know, the sun peeks over the horizon. You hear all the shutters going. You know, there's a guy <laughs> shooting a uh, time lapse on a six-foot slider. He came all the way from uh, Australia to shoot it. He's oh, off awesome. to the end, you know, everyone else is doing like stills in the across the rest of the uh the photographer line. And then a uh you know, twenty something uh young lady kinda walks around the end of the group and starts to walk in front of everybody and uh Neil just kinda uh. looks at her and goes, Stop 
You will not walk in front of all these people. They've been waiting here for hours, and you are not going to do this. And she just kind of stopped dead in her tracks and got these little doe eyes and kind of looked at us like, you know, she was caught in the headlight. And and <laughs> she goes, but they let me do it yesterday. And what? Neil goes, you are not going to do this. And she, like, turned around and, you know, walked back out of the way. Everyone took their pictures, you know. A couple minutes later, it's like people start packing up because, you know, that's what a lot of people do. They just they go for that one instant, and once that instant is over, it's like they take Good off, which go. I think is crazy. That sounds like, like me. Hang out more. You, you don't know what's going to happen next if you don't actually stay and experience it. And Mesa True. Arch is one of those places where the, you know, the light on the rock changes as the uh, sun kind of comes up above the horizon. So stick it out. Don't just take off. And uh, anyway, she comes out and she like has her friend and her with the camera. Her friend sits down. She gets, you know, on her back with a baseball cap with this little tiny logo, which not, I couldn't even tell what product she was trying to support. And she the puts, cap had the product information on it? I think so, because she took the cap off and laid it on the ground right next to her shoulder and aimed oh. it, purposely aimed it towards the her photographer <laughs> friend. And then she goes into the yoga pose of a uh, arch with Mesa Arch behind her, because, you know, that's oh. not cliched. And <laughs> no. uh, She's her the friend first takes ever. a couple pictures and... You know, I hear some uh, commotion of people behind me starting to comment about stuff, and I turn around, and I see her doing that, and I, like, flip the camera back on and, you know, take a picture. I realize, oh, shoot, the focus was turned off, so I, like, refocus the lens, take another picture, and then she, like, you know, lays back down on the ground, grabs her hat, and gets up. And uh, earlier that morning... There was a uh, guy walking around with a uh, handheld recorder and a microphone, and I thought, oh, there's like some sort of podcaster guy here or something. And it turns out he was from the uh, Salt Lake City NPR station, and he happened to be doing an article on social media and its effect on public lands. Really? Yeah, so he interviewed myself and Drew and Neil. And apparently, oh. apparently, I'd been up uh, for too many days with not enough sleep, so I must have been too incoherent in my comments that <laughs> they didn't make you it didn't onto make the, the radio. <laughs> but uh, but Drew this and Neil insane. both got uh, sound bites, you know, comments uh, on the national NPR feed. And uh, but anyway, he he talked, really yeah he, he talked to the Instagram girl and he talked to a couple other uh, tourists that had come to see the sunrise and. Talked with the three of us, and, uh, you know, I got his name, and, uh, you know, we all went back on the next day. I'm flipping through pictures, and it's like, oh, yeah, that actually came out okay. So I, like, emailed him and said, hey, here's a picture I took that morning. You guys want to use that for your, uh, you know, your uh, cover work, your cover photo? And they said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Send it, send us a copy. And so I uh, donated that to the NPR station. And uh, that's cool. That got run on the uh, Salt Lake NPR 
station uh, website for the uh, article that they had. So here's the article. I found something about it. No one has fallen to their death at Mesa Arch yet, but as the landmark has become more popular with the selfie-taking crowd, tensions are brewing between tourists and serious photographers such as Drew Armstrong and his two friends. <laughs> hey, that's me. <laughs> You're his two friends. That's, that's uh, my watched... uh, claim to fame right there. <laughs> they watched as a young woman struck a yoga pose in front of the arch. It's frustrating when they want to get a shot with their Lulamon pants because they're wearing Lululemon pants, Armstrong said. I want them to be here and say, you know, this is important. This needs to be protected. Armstrong and his two friends believe that in the rush to take selfies and post them, people are missing out on what makes national parks and public lands so amazing in the first place. And then he goes, uh, Neil says, solitude, peaceful moments in nature, said Neil Zingle, Armstrong's friend. We're so focused on saying we were there, so focused on having that information that people think you can capture on a snapshot. But you can't do that. You have to take the time to experience it. It's sort of an old-fashioned approach, but there's no shortcut. Zingle and his friends have been taking photos Photographs around Canyonlands National Park for the past three decades. That's just mostly you. I mean, yeah. Zingle had not been there before, and uh, and Drew probably hasn't done it as long as you. So that's like those decades are all Kirk's decades. That could be. <laughs> this new breed of selfie tourist appeared to get under their skin, but it didn't seem to bother Jang, the Los Angeles photographer, too much. He was finishing a time lapse of the sunrise over Mesa Arch. <laughs> I think it's getting crowded, but you can't really prevent people from coming. It's public land. They have a right to see these things, too. That's one thing. Standing in front of your camera is another. Jeez. Oh, that was not a quote. That was Aaron King right there, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he said that they have a right to see these things, too. And then Aaron King said, yeah, standing in front of your camera is one thing. Going and seeing it as well is another. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> They don't mention you. You're not Neil Zingle and Drew Armstrong are mentioned, but you're just the one of the two friends. I know, I'm the friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an annoying I was I was the wingman, the the unnamed wingman. <laughs> the unnamed wingman. And if anyone got killed next, you were next. Yeah, which which is funny too cuz I went up and uh, talked to the guy first before he even uh, started uh, recording people just to see what he was up to. Because that's what I do. I see people and I go bug them. Yes, you do. And I know that for a fact. <laughs> and I'm not saying the bug them part, but the part that you have no fear. You go up and you talk to them and you hang out with them. We've met so many good people thanks to you. Oh, yeah. Just walk up to people. Talk to them. You know? We met Michael Shanebloom kind fact, of uh, just because of that. I was just going to say that was because of you. Because you walked up to Michael first and said, hey, uh, what are you doing here? We're doing photography. This is Photog Adventures, yada, yada. And then it was Michael Shanebloom of all yep. people. Yeah, who'd have guessed? <laughs> Well, uh, I kind of wish I had talked to her and said, hey, what was wrong with yesterday's picture? How come you didn't? And, <laughs> yeah. and I spent like a couple of hours, you know, a month or so after that trying to search through and trying to find some sort of, uh, you know, post on Instagram for, you know, Mesa Arch with the, uh, uh, you know, girl doing a yoga pose in front of it and couldn't find anything with her in it. So I don't know where they posted it or how it got used or what so yeah what product shot it was yeah no clue it was kind of interesting to you know actually see the proverbial instagrammer come in and do their product shot and you know yeah. they just kind of walked in and just walked off and they were there for the instance and and i don't even know that they enjoyed the uh sunrise like a lot of the other people there did so that was one of my big adventures this year. <laughs> well, uh, Rob, you didn't have someone come and do a yoga pose in front of you, in front of your untold story of 2019, but 
Kirk and I have not heard this story at all. We have no information about it. Take us through it. Give us all the atmosphere and mood that we need to to understand how this went. <laughs> all righty. So for, no pressure. for the last year or so, I've been kind of burned out on Milky Way photography. So Boo, I've, boo. Don't say this on our radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know. I know. I've heard <laughs> it from you plenty. Go, go find I a know, different right? podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So instead of Milky Way photography, I've been doing a lot of wildlife boo, photography. Boo, boo. No, just kidding. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and last, back in January, uh, there was a whole lot of barn owls hanging around just outside of town and just up oh, the roadways. Cool. Uh, pretty much every single haystack had barn owls on it. And uh, hmm. came across this, it was kind of like a farmer's hay yard that was just adjacent to a uh, field there on the farm. And ran into one of the farmhands and asked permission to actually go into the stacks of hay and look for the owls to photograph them. Awesome. And so my buddy Colt and I are just walking up and down these rows of hay bales, flushing barn owls, having them come out at us and circling around the hay, the alleys, because we're coming from opposite ends usually. And he finally, my buddy Colton finds one that's tucked back in in a gap sleeping. So he just kind of waves me over and points at where the owl's at. And I'm in there with my big 200 to 500 lens zoomed in, trying to get photos of this barn owl sleeping back in this nook. All of a sudden these eyes pop open. And I don't know if, and a lot of you may not have seen barn owls before, but they have these just black eyes. It's just like staring into a void. So all of a sudden, no iris, just all black. Yeah, just all black. Black marbles staring back yep, at you. Yep. So all of a sudden, these <laughs> just eyes pop open, and I'm zoomed way in up close, and so these eyes pop open, and a split second later, this dude comes flying out of there, just straight at us, and I think my buddy the Colton actually off. fell down. It scared him so much, it startled <laughs> me pretty good. <laughs> So you're standing how far from him at this point? Oh, probably 20 feet, if that. Ooh. And he can fly. He can carry over 20 feet pretty fast in his flight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So that, did he make a sound, or did he just come out silently at you? Just, <laughs> just came out silently, but Barnells do make some horrible, horrible noises. They don't do the hoot hoot like most owls do. The calls they make are these just awful screeches. Really? It sounds like, I don't even know how to describe it. It sounds like a demon almost. (laughs) Demon banshee owl. Scary. Pretty much, yeah. What time of day was it like? I mean, was it? Very early morning. Like, I don't even know if the sun was actually up yet. You said Colton actually fell over when they started flying out. He fell on his I back. I think so. It's. I mean, it's been almost a year since the, that particular day, but I think he actually did fall down. <laughs> it scared him so bad. So it's good that you mentioned that story being scary because my last story when we come back from this break is going to be about being scared. And I apologize to anyone who hears this and comes out with me next time to Escalante because you're probably <laughs> going to have this on your mind as well. But this one is a story I've been wanting to share. And now I've got Rob and Kirk to make fun of me for it. So let's go ahead to our last break of the podcast and come back and make fun of Aaron King. 
Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everyone. We're telling some untold stories of 2019, and this one is my favorite one. I, I hate saying that in the beginning of a story because now I'm setting it up for being greater than it is, but if you know me at all, you're going to giggle at least once during this story. So, in Escalante, and Kirk, Rob, feel free to laugh at me and, in, and interject <laughs> anything that you want to say about my perspective of this situation and any way you want to tease me, because I'm all right for it. I'm ready for it. Okay, can I start it's... laughing now, or should I wait a minute? <laughs> Maybe it'll be more you know, genuine if you wait till it actually goes Oh, funny. I'm genuine right now. <laughs> You're already laughing Oh at yeah, me. You already know what's coming. <laughs> so, um, this place in Escalante... <laughs> This place in Escalante is Dance Hall Rock. I've been there dozens of times. I've actually walked this pathway in the daytime and walked back to the car in the nighttime multiple times. I've hung out there in the complete dark walking through the area. Zero fear, zero concern. And this year, 2019, in all of our workshops... Now, this is not good marketing, but in all of our workshops in Escalante, we had two... Uh, four night ones and one two night one we had dance hall rock skunk night every time it just happened <laughs> that the rain clouds would leave escalante and come over us and then hang out over the core like we had a great sunset with stanley myself and diapolino where we had a great moment with the sunset we were hanging out and then it just got worse and the clouds were just hanging over the milky way it just hanging over all the cool stuff I'm like okay we'll wait we'll wait we'll wait it out let's go back to the car and wait it out we were there we watched the entire movie of walter mitty i watched walter mitty three times this year each time staking out dance hall rock and so love the movie the secret life of walter mitty but man man oh great i love i love dance hall rock and it's it was an unfortunate skunk situation where we had the other nights were great but dance hall rock got skunked this time it's the july workshop i'm out there with hudson john and sid and we have gone out for a sunset we've enjoyed it we've shown the location off and we're, ex- okay, I've jumped past my story because in the timeline <laughs> of my story, it's already happened. Here we are walking out, just casually enjoying. I'm walking through a place of, I know 100%, showing them the cool stuff on the way, you know, having that feeling, that successful feeling of a workshop leader where you know that it's working when the people you're dragging somewhere are lollygagging and taking forever to get there because everything's so cool to see. Like, I'll take a picture of that. I'll take a picture of that. Oh, I'll take a picture of that. Like, hey, we're going over here. You're not going to see us beyond this corner, so you better come with us now. Okay, cool. All right, let's all go together. As we're walking, we're just about to the part where we're going to crawl, go up the rock and do a little bit of a very, very slanted, very steep area of rock. And I'm kind of looking back at them as I'm telling them this is coming, blah, blah. And then the sound of a rattle happened. And we look down and we see it (laughs) jumping into the bush. And it was a rattlesnake. I've never seen a rattlesnake here before. And the rattlesnake was tiny. And Hudson goes, oh, it's a baby rattlesnake. And then he said something that I never should have heard because it's messed me up ever since. The juvenile ones are the deadly ones. And I'm like, what, really? I mean, this is one of those pieces of information that someone says because someone told them who was their friend said it because they knew. And no one really has like true, honest knowledge of this. But it sounds so good enough to be true. 
He's like, oh yeah, the juvenile ones are the more poisonous ones, and Hudson's from Arizona, and so I'm thinking, oh no, he 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 knows. Not only is this a rattlesnake, but it's more dangerous. And why? I said, why is it more dangerous? Well, because it's so juvenile, it'll latch on, it'll never let go, it'll leak, it'll leak all of its venom into you, it'll just dump it all off, it'll kill you a lot more than other rattlesnakes. And since it's juvenile, it won't just avoid you if you avoid it. It's like more jumpy and more hectic. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was in front. I scared it off and I'm thinking, ah, you know what? It's a rattlesnake. I've seen them before. I'm not worried about it on this trail. But then he said that thing about the juvenile rattlesnake and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he might be right. If that thing gets me, it's going to kill me more likely than the other ones. We're an hour and a half drive away from the city, let alone some place that might have anti-venom. Uh, okay. <sighs> okay, stay away from this one. He might be right. Let's just keep going up the trail. We get up to the top of the hill. We're taking our shot, doing our sunset. The whole time I'm thinking about, man, the baby rattlesnakes are more dangerous. Before I go into further the story, Kirk, have you ever heard that to be true? Is this a complete fallacy? Well, I just looked it up on the uh, interwebs, and uh, according to a herpetologist in uh, the Los Angeles area, he says that is a urban legend, and <laughs> yes. someone else in Southern California did a study and they found that the effects of the rattlesnake bite were directly proportional to the size of the snake. So, it's Ooh, okay. the bigger the snake, the worse the bite is. And and my understanding was the baby ones were dangerous because they don't have a functioning rattle yet. So you just don't hear them as you you're surprising gonna... them. Once that rattle gets going, then you know they're not babies anymore. And uh, that is correct. Um, yeah, you probably with a see a lot friend, of friend. I actually have a the nickname Snake Wrestler. <laughs> Your friend's nickname is that, or you are the Snake Wrestler, Rob? I am the Snake Wrestler. <laughs> we were camping, and uh, we had a snake come through our campsite, and one of our other friends had his one of his kids up there with him at the time, and so I figured I better check out the snake, see what kind of snake it is, see if it's just a harmless bull snake or if it's a rattlesnake. Well, by the time I got over to it, it slithered into some long grass so I could see just its tail. Well, I didn't see any rattles on it, so I just grabbed the tail and hoisted it up. And as soon as I saw that head, I knew it was a rattlesnake. Mm -hmm. What? Uh, And then? The the snake went flying. (laughs) Oh, he didn't go. Oh, I see. You threw him as fast as you could. He didn't curl back on your arm in time. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's funny about... And, uh, and I may have let some profanities fly. <laughs> <laughs> Flying fart. I know you said. Well, that's that's funny about you being at a dance hall rock and seeing a rattlesnake, because years ago, I was out at uh, the uh, end of the... Oh, the hole, in the hole in the Rock Road at the very end of the road there. And okay, yeah. I was up taking pictures at sunrise at looking out over Lake Powell. And as I'm walking back to the car at the end of the uh, parking lot there, I like stepped off the ledge. You're, you kind of come down the hill and you're stepping over the edge of these, you know, um, ridges of sandstone. And as I stepped off of one, I thought I saw something move. And I like, you know, took another step, turned around. And here's a uh, pygmy rattlesnake that's like, right up against the edge of the rock and he's like hightailing it out of there as fast as he can because you know (laughs) i got big boots or something like that but uh 
And your huge calves. Yeah, exactly. Those two. I could stomp on them, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was kind of, that's the only place I've ever seen rattlesnakes out there, which I'm sure they're all over the place, but. Right. And you know, I've seen tarantulas out by uh, St. George, but I've never seen a rattlesnake anywhere else except out in that uh, Escalante stretch. Well, that's crazy. That's the only other place you've seen it because I have not seen them anywhere. I've walked all yeah. over the place in the dark, especially at Milky Way time. And uh, I've never run across any. I've never even thought for a second that I have to worry about them. Yeah. Well, now I crossed one. And it was during the light, you know, very end of the light. And now I'm sitting there at the top working with John and his camera going, you know what? You should try my Tamron lens. Oh, I didn't bring my Rokinon. I think it was a Rokinon. I, 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 got, I should go out to the car and get it. It's about done with twilight period. So I've got to go back to the car and hurry to get it. And all I'm thinking about is, oh, my gosh, that snake. That snake. What if there's snakes? Are there snakes? What if the snakes are out there? What if there's a rattlesnake? What if it's the juvenile rattlesnake? And I'm already <laughs> thinking, I, I I gotta watch out for them. And I'm going back with my light, and right at the exact same spot where that one was, I took a step and almost stepped on it. And it was right there in the middle of the path. And it jumped and I jumped. And when I came down, I came down on the same side of the path that it went down. And so it jumped again and I'm jumping. And now I'm moving both of my legs in different order and I'm kind of making this weird sound like (laughs) just trying to not step on it and move my foot. And I can't see where he went. I can't tell where I'm going to go. So I'm just trying randomly to go in different places like don't get my ankle, don't get my ankle, don't bite my ankle. And I'm doing this weird jig like turning backwards, turning forwards. And I'm starting to feel like, you know that, oh, it's so oogie. and you kind of like stretch all your muscles and you strain everything in and you, you get like shivers and fears. I had gone to the full adrenaline mode of all of those right there. And I danced for about 50 yards across through there going, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. By the time I got 50 yards away, I slowed down a little bit. And I looked, my light with, looked with my light around me going, okay, there's, there's nothing there. He must have went the other direction. So I was afraid even just the little bit of nip, I was going to get it because I just stepped almost right on top of him. He'd be scared, be mad, he'd bite me. And he was a juvenile snake who was going to put me in a situation worse than any other rattlesnake I could possibly run into. So now I'm sweating like crazy. I'm nervous and I'm running my light now the whole way pack. I'm usually walking in the dark because I don't care, but I'm walking with my light now completely trained on the ground. Every stick, every little branch, Every row of rocks that kind of looked like a snake with a shadow and everything they were casting, oh, I, I've never walked that short path that slowly in my life because I was checking everything because I thought, what if it's a snake? <laughs> what if it's a snake? All the time, I put my ankle right next to a bush and I walk through this trail. I, I, it's not really a big open trail, so you're walking next to bushes and now I'm picturing a curled up little snake there. It's happy to be there. Then my foot goes down and he goes launching at my ankle and nips at it and just drains his venom into my body. <sighs> it scared me to death. And when I came back, I ran through that section. I didn't walk slowly. I made sure I went fast, noisily, and scared it on my way in, you know? Just don't come near me, rattlesnake. <sighs> and now I can't get out of my head. Every time I went back there one more time after that Escalante workshop and I thought about the entire time, didn't see another rattlesnake, but now all my confidence is shattered. Just, 
I, I feel like everywhere I look, there's going to be another baby rattlesnake ready to kill me. <laughs> They'll generally leave you alone if you leave them alone. That was my feeling too. But then I started thinking this juvenile is going to be different. He's going to be more vengeful and angry or more you know, <laughs> eager to bite me. <laughs> I just talked myself into it. It's like the little kid walking home at night and you look behind you and you see Red Eye, that giant wolf, that scary wolf of your imagination. And it's right there in that shadow. He's looking right at you. You better turn and run. And it's as real as ever. And I'm a 37-year-old at the time. I'm now 38. 38-year-old baby worried that that snake is going to get me. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to walk people through there in 2020. And everybody, don't worry. I looked it all up. I mean, we don't suck on your leg to get the poison out. We just make sure that you don't do the hiking. We carry you, make you limp. Just don't use that leg. And we drive you to the nearest hospital. And we try not to work this venom through your system too much. And you'll be fine. But, of course, the nearest hospital to there is two and a half, two hours and away. So you want to be there fast. So if someone gets bit on one of our workshops, it's, it's just over for that night. And we have to drive to the hospital and take care of it so that nothing bad happens. But it's not like you will die. I mean, you are in the desert. You could just put them out of their misery. <laughs> you know, we never came back that night with four people. He died doing what he loved. <laughs> if it was Kirk and he got bit, his calves will probably protect him from most of the venom. Yeah, I think it would, uh, you know, just dilute all the venom out probably. <laughs> yeah. Kirk famously has giant calves. Very strong, very strong calves. So you guys think... Nothing to worry about, just like typical before before that night, same kind of confidence, walk through there, don't worry about it. Or do I have to start wearing snake gaiters on my ankles? You know, uh, Rhonda over on Milky Way Photographers, uh, Rhonda Pierce, she actually wears uh, snake gaiters whenever she goes out uh, taking pictures because apparently Missouri is like uh, rattlesnake uh, central. and. Wow. Uh, She's uh, seen enough, I guess, that she uh, highly recommends it. Drake Dyke was telling us a story with him and his military career. At one point, he was marching with troops, and he went through down this little pit, and then all of a sudden the rattlesnakes are going crazy behind him, and he's like, what's going on? Why is everyone not with me? He didn't hear the rattlesnakes, but <laughs> the other guys on the above the pit, as he walked through it, they all saw that they woke up and started rattling like crazy, and no one dared to follow him. Huh. So he went down, woke up everything, got to the other side, and now no one else could join him for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Personally, I generally just don't worry about the snakes, but we have other things around here to worry about when you're outside of town at night. What's your thing to worry about most? Moose? Like wolves? Moose, wolves, mountain lions, bears. Yeah. Oh my. Watch out for those cougars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 38. I'm not their prey Oh, anymore. that's right. You're you're looking for cougars. <laughs> oh man. It, there's a lot of things that you can be more worried about for sure than snakes. And in my experience, they never come at me. They're always trying to get away from me. And if I'm making noise and I'm not like on top of their head before they know it they're long gone yeah i i'm worried about mountain lions out here in uh, the oregon also so i usually just play like a photog adventures podcast on my phone as loud as i can and i figure between uh you know you talking on my phone that'll scare any mountain lion off <laughs> I, I have had a few close calls with critters with doing milky way photography uh first one i ever had was with a moose in the middle of the night Ooh. and i was just along a creek, photographing the reflection in the creek, and 
heard this stomping and huffing noises, shined my light around and saw it. And wow. so got the heck out of there. And then another time got, had some coyotes kind of surround me and check me out. They were just curious as yeah, to what was going on was all. Unless they got really brave, they usually don't take on humans. Yeah. You need to get one of those LEP uh, flashlights, Rob. You could just uh, blind everything and be out of there before their uh, eyes came back to normal. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> those things are that's, cool, but man, are they expensive. Yeah. That's a great transition to something like a gear time because I was thinking the gators would be good, but what is the LEP light? I don't know what the P stands for. I don't know what any of this is. It's a laser excited phosphors, I think is what it stands for. And they use really? a little solid state laser to shine light onto a uh, surface with, uh, you know, like LED phosphors. And it generates a super strong, super directional beam of light. And so oh. you can buy flashlights that will illuminate stuff like, you know, a kilometer, two kilometers away. And I was watching Whoa. some videos of some guy shooting across the harbor and he's shooting at like a, a building that's a thousand meters on the other side, and you can see it in the video that he's shooting. It's it's lighting up the side of these houses, plain as day, and it's like that's amazing. I'm surprised people weren't uh, running out on their porches yelling at him for, you know, <laughs> peeking in their houses or something like that. It was so right. bright. You, it's that bright. You might think it's, that they're standing outside yeah, the window. It's, it's that bright. Flashlight technology in general has gotten kind of crazy. I've gone down a flashlight rabbit hole lately <laughs> how does one go down a flashlight rabbit hole you, you're really hooked on you buying need a, new you need a flashlight huh? to go down a rabbit hole exactly <laughs> and you, you want to have a flashlight with you when you do milky way photography and the brightest one possible i just turn on my low level lights and walk with them and i, I do have a gear it. recommendation if you wanted to do that i do let's hear it what is it i got a new flashlight recently it's the olight s2r baton 2 um, it looks like on their website runs around 60 to $70, but it is super bright and on its brightest mode, be careful with it because you can start things on fire, but well, it I is can't recommend bright. that in nature. <laughs> so if someone's walking through a grassy field in the summer doing milky photography, they're just going to be lighting the place on fire. no. No, you have to have the, if you're going to light something on fire, it's got to be very, very close to the front of the flashlight where the light's coming out. Kind of like how you light things on fire with a magnifying glass. You're like inches away and that's about it. Kind of, except things almost need to be touching the front of the flashlight. Oh, uh, okay. So, so, I mean, if you drop it in some gri- dry glass, and it gr- if I could speak, that the dry grass and it's on that super bright mode, then maybe, but even then, not likely. Huh, Okay. Right on, the Olight, and it's 60 to $70, and the benefit of it is that it can burn things, or what else is great about it? It's super bright, has multiple modes. You don't have to run on the super bright setting. Um, it comes with a rechargeable 18650 battery uh, that's included in it, and it also comes with a charger that the charger just connects to the back of the light with a magnet, and that's how you recharge it. Oh, that's awesome. Definitely recommend gators or something that you can use out there. If you're in an area that you might worry about rattlesnakes, at least take that concern off your mind. And Kirk's recommendation, you were talking about LEP batteries. How expensive are these LEP batteries? Well, it's a LEP sorry, flashlight, flashlight, and they're yeah. they're like 200 and plus dollars. So I, I don't recommend wow. one of those yet. But no. uh, Rhonda Pierce recommends a... Uh, brand of gators called turtle skin turtle skin gators 
So um, there's an article several months ago on Milky Way photographers where she uh, highlights those uh, gators, but I'll, I'll take her suggestion and recommend those. Right on. Turtle skin gators save you from the Escalante juvenile juvenile rattlesnakes. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that that's mostly a, you know, what they call an old wives' tale sometimes. I just, that is something I thought was not true, but it was just good enough sounding that yeah. in the moment <laughs> I wasn't going to risk it. <laughs> yeah. Why take chances, right? Oh, no. So I, I, if anyone could have seen me or recorded me do that dance, that fearful little jig that I had. One foot down for like half a second. I was just planting my weight just for a tiny second, parts of a second so that it would no time to bite me. I was so freaked out. And I was spinning in circles and trying to go as fast as I could down that pathway so that it wouldn't. Oh, my gosh. And you're, when I first jumped, you're sure it wasn't a twig in the, in the path, right? Oh, it was the rattlesnake. Okay. It was 100% the rattlesnake, the, the, the same juvenile one. It didn't do anything to me, obviously. But when it jumped and I jumped the same direction it jumped, then at that point I was feared for my life. I was like, oh, no, I just jumped the same way it jumped. We're both scared we both scared each other out of their mind because he didn't expect me and I didn't expect him. And I came around the corner, bam, right on top of him. But the Milky Way is great out there, as long as you don't have clouds right over the core. Yeah. So, hey, Rob and Kirk, thanks for joining me for this episode. I'm going to have you guys back in the next episode when we talk about what happened in 2019. What went well? What didn't go well? What are the things that I learned? What are the things that you guys learned in 2019 in your photography? Even if it's not Milky Way, Rob, even if you learned it in your wildlife photography, let's share some of those nice truth value bombs that we can. And we'll come back and we'll end the rest of the year Kirk and Rob helping me out and a couple interviews coming your way, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoy this, please don't thank me. Thank the patrons and join the patrons and get access to these new things that I will be doing. And you'll be able to check it out at patreon.com forward slash photog adventures and see if it's something for you. Or you can be like Rob and just support photog adventures. Keep it going. Keep us going strong. Really appreciate your help. Desperately need your help and I love it. So thank you guys so much. Kirk, Rob, hope you guys have a good night. Yeah, thanks. It was thanks, a lot Aaron. of fun. You too. And where can people find your guys' photography? I mean, Kirk, is there any place anyone can find your photography? Oh, yeah. Um, I have about uh, seven terabytes worth of pictures on my hard drive, so if you want to come <laughs> over. Um, come on over in Portland. You can join him. Yeah, there's a few on uh, kaisphoto.com, K-E-Y-E-S photo.com, and then uh, a bunch of stuff I put on uh, milkywayphotographers.com as well. Read his articles among everyone else's over on milkywayphotographers.com. And Rob, where can uh, you look I at I post most stuff? of my stuff to Instagram, which is Rob Ryan Photography, all one word. Um, I also have a just pretty basic free website set up that's, through Adobe's My Portfolio thing, and it's just robertryan.myportfolio.com. Cool. Check that out to see his photos. And if you want to consider getting one of your own Adobe portfolios, see how it turned out for him. See if you like it, because most of us have that have that subscription and have access to that Adobe portfolio. So try it out. So thanks, guys. Thanks so much. If you guys like this podcast, this episode, let me know with the review over on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google, and give us some good information on what you loved, and I can keep that going for 2020. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, and get out there and have a photog adventure of your own. See ya. See ya.